Whenever I have this out, I need your help. You guys mind helping me? Okay. Um, I'm going to pray. We're going to be in Philippians. We're actually finishing up our series looking through Philippians and specifically looking at Paul's theme of rejoicing, and we're calling that celebration. And we've been intentional in our church about celebrating, and we want to continue to do that, and we want to talk about that again today. So, um, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you're leading us and guiding us by it, and that um, we ask that our ears and eyes would be opened and our wills would be uh, softened, that we might receive your guidance. Um, Thank you that you give us your word and that it can change our life and that your spirit lives in it and comes in and changes things for us, gives us new eyes, gives us uh, new attitudes, and we ask for that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I think some of you know that I really value peace. Anybody else really like feeling peaceful? And I don't mean peace like world peace. I mean peace inside myself. And I value world peace, I guess, too, but I'm usually thinking about how I feel inside. And so I want to just talk a little bit about what, um, we'll look at these definitions. They might be behind me. We'll look at those in a moment. But what is peace? And you, you can look up there and tell me, but what is peace for you? Give me some words around the idea of peace in your life. Um, what happens in your life uh, when you're experiencing peace? Okay. You can even tell me, like, what kind of picture comes to mind? Snow, and, a, and there's a snowmobile, right, too? <laughs> okay, so we got some snow. He's, having, he's out there in the flat tops with lots of freedom. Okay. The beach. Yeah, that's good. All right, you guys are better at the picture part, right? What, okay, anything else about peace? Rest. Being with people, Carla said, and knowing you're loved. So community, could I say it that way? Or connection. And you feel peaceful when you know you're loved. I, I kind of agree with that one. It's kind of scary when you don't think anyone likes you or loves you, right? Grounded, okay. You got a foundation. God's presence. All right, anybody else? Home. Home. Calm. Yeah. Actually, the, another word for peace is tranquil, and that really has to do with that calm. Like, like we were singing, like bring that sea to still, a calm. How many of you think like looking out at water, calm water especially brings some peace? Yeah. Okay, anybody else just wanted to say something before we move on? Thank you for participating. Looks like Alex was raising his hand, but so. <laughs> um, so we've got some definitions behind me. And peace, you can see freedom from, uh, of the mind from annoyance, distraction, anxiety. anxiety. Another word would be tranquil. The peace uh, that we're reading in Philippians actually is a Greek word. And it's transliterated there. It's arene, and it's from arrow, and it means to join or to make one. And so what we can understand from this biblical idea in the New Testament of peace is wholeness, to bring disjointed things into unity. And that can happen within us, can it? Um, and, and so wholesomeness or wholeness is also behind the idea. The word in the Old Testament really denotes a lifestyle of living before a God who will take care of your needs. Um, and so this idea of peace um, is, is something I think most of us desire. 
Let me see hands. That you, that you, like this is something that you, it's one of your favorite places to be and, and, you, and you need it in your life. And so um, let's move from talking about what you think of it. How do you pursue it? How do you go get it? What are some things you do to find peace? We heard Keith says he goes snowmobiling um, and you've come away feeling peaceful. Okay, most days. <laughs> Sometimes not, right? Okay. What are some other ways we go and pursue peace? Okay, I like that one. Okay, so devotions and coffee. So Joan, you feel peaceful by going to work so you can pay your bills. You, you could, if you could skip the work part and pay your bills, paying bills is, is one of the ways you, okay, that's a practical thing. Anybody else? Quiet. Stillness. Oh, I'm with you there. Is that a good, is that a good enough list for us? Okay. Um, interestingly, I'm going to start at the end of Philippians in chapter 4, and Paul is going to tell us something about how to find peace. And we're going to look at what he says, and then we'll go back into it in a little bit more depth when we'll cover chapter 3, understanding what, he, what he's really saying. So um, I want to read this to you, and then we'll, we'll go backwards into chapter 3. He's finishing his letter. Remember, he's in prison. This is really helpful to me. Paul is in prison writing this. Don't forget that piece, because he's not on a beach, and he's not snowmobiling. He's in prison. And he's had his rights taken from him. And he's writing to us about the peace of God. Very important that we understand that context. And the church that he's reaching out to, they're feeling lots of pressure here and there, just like some of us are feeling. And so um, he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again, he says. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's where the promise comes in. And and if you can rejoice in the Lord, and if you can turn your requests over to the Lord and let your worries go to the Lord, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He goes a little bit further and starts talking about contentment here. Uh, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Two times he says that we, the outcome of rejoicing in the Lord will be peace. And so we need to add to our list that one of the things that we can do to go after peace, and there's actually a few of them in this scripture, but what we're going to focus on today is celebrate in the Lord. I mean, we don't want to skip over the fact that it's saying that we should pray also. When we're heavy laden and burdened with concerns, we want to give those requests to the Lord. But I want to zero in on this idea because we've been focusing on it throughout the book. That Paul tells us, and I think it's unique, 
that if you want peace, one of the things you should be doing is rejoice in the Lord regularly. Not just, ah, you know, one time I told God, yay, I'm happy. But what does it mean to build a life where we rejoice? What does it mean to build a life where we celebrate not just birthdays and new cars, but in the Lord? What does that look like? Um, I think some of you know this. Uh, I've been working as the, as the pastor here for, I guess, eight years. This will be going into my ninth year this summer. And one of the things um, that has really been on the forefront of my mind is how do we become a group that celebrates? And, and it's fine for me to say this one time, and I'm saying it one time, and if we never talked about it again, I don't know that we'd get very far. But you know what we do in this church? Every group meeting that starts starts by, how can I celebrate with you? And some people celebrate a birthday or a new car. And some people celebrate God's work in their life. And there's a spectrum of celebration. But intentionally adding it in to our culture is changing the fact that we actually celebrate together when we're together. Rather than, what does it even mean to say, well, I just go around happy even if I'm sad. That's not rejoicing. Rejoicing is saying, what is God doing in our lives that we can turn our heads towards, look at, and throw our hands in the air and say, look what God is doing. We celebrate, and it changes things in us, okay? So Paul has taught us already through this book that, um, that celebration includes God's partnership with us and other people. Do you remember that was our very first one, that we celebrate the work of God in our lives with other people. There's this fellowship around that. Then he said... Um, that we want to celebrate, uh, let's see, this is, the, this is our favorite one. We want to celebrate in difficulty because it brings deliverance. And we all, we all, none of it, I'm not signed up for like, hey, give me some more difficulty. But in the midst of difficulty, we can, like Paul, rejoice that God is bringing about our deliverance and other people's deliverance. And then last week we talked about celebrating turning our advantage, our advantage in life into service for others. And so Paul has told us those three things, and today he's saying, if we celebrate regularly, consistently, he says it two times, in the very beginning of chapter 3 and then right here at the end, their bookends in between is important, what we're going to find out in between. He says, rejoice in the Lord, it safeguards you, and then he says, rejoice, I'm going to say it again. And then we're going to look at what's in between because he's telling us that celebration in the Lord brings peace. We need peace. And so I'm very interested in why would we celebrate and how can we. So let's take a look at that together. Excuse me. All right. So here's our points for the day, and we'll read this here in a moment. Um, we are celebrating in the Lord in order to find peace. And I want to, before I say these points, when I talk about celebration, we want to remember that Paul is saying in the Lord. And we'll talk about what that means. But generally what he's talking about, the work of Jesus in our lives and the way of Jesus. So we can understand that celebrating in the Lord is narrowed down to how can I celebrate the love and acceptance and forgiveness that has been given to me? And how, how can I celebrate the way that God is directing me to live? And when I do that, my mind goes to a place that is in line with where God is going. So here's our points. The first thing he says is we're going to celebrate in order to find peace because it safeguards us 
from the boast of religion. That's going to be our point number one. We'll get there in a minute. This point number two for today is going to be we celebrate in the Lord in order to find peace because it connects us to the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. How many of you forget that you're really, really forgiven? You're really accepted and you're really loved. And you make decisions based on, ah, I'm not sure how valuable I am. I'm not really sure I'm loved, so I'm going to need to do this to make sure. Celebrating the work of Jesus brings that to the forefront of our mind so that we can stay connected to the truth of a righteousness that is not our own but from Him. And then finally, celebrate in the Lord in order to find peace because it helps us grow and attain what God has already given us. Do you know He's given us so much and we've barely, we've barely grabbed, we've barely participated in the gifts that He's given us. And so when we begin to celebrate regularly, we find ourselves moving further and further into His way and His leading. So, looking at this idea that celebration safeguards us. How many of you have uh, uh, maybe heard around the idea of being depressed that thankfulness is a good combatant to being depressed? And so this is the kind of idea that we're running into, is that safe, we are safeguarded by celebration. So let's read this. Further, chapter uh, 3, verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, and we're going to stop at verse 4. No, verse 6, I'm sorry. 1 through 6. 3, 1 through 6. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. He said it before in the letter, and now he's saying it a third or fourth time in chapter 3. Rejoice in the Lord. Um, and I, I'm not troubled by reminding you because this is why. Because it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, I was persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. He says, rejoice in the Lord because it's a safeguard for you from the boast of religion. What is the boast of religion? He's talking to a group of people who have, many of them are Gentiles, who have recognized Jesus as their Savior. They've put their faith in, in Jesus as their Savior. And there are some other teachers that like, they like, yeah, we like Jesus and faith in Jesus is pretty good. But we need to add to that that you also need to become like us and you need to follow some dietary laws, and you also need to get circumcised. And so if you aren't willing to do that, you're on the outs. And you can imagine most adult males are not interested in signing up for that in their religious growth. Um, and so there was some tension in the church, and Paul is actually saying the people that are coming in adding to the gospel are mutilators of the flesh. They are pushing a religious order upon you that has no grounds because of the work of Jesus. Now, none of that's happening to us. No one is telling us for you to be a part of this church. You need to follow dietary customs or do some strange uh, surgical procedure. We're, we're not saying that, but we do need to talk about what is the boast of religion in accordance to our life. What are we talking about here? Why would celebrating in Jesus' work and way safeguard us from boasting in ourselves? What are the new boasts of religion. I mean, this one comes to mind. Um, I was looking at an email. I got sucked in. You know how they send advertisements. And 
And it's an advertisement of what you could buy to, to keep your church COVID free, right? And they have this stand-up um, battery-operated hand sanitizer that says, love thy neighbor and wash thy hands. Okay? I mean, it's kind of funny, but I'm not putting that in our church. Um, but I, but here's, what, here's, a new, here's a new boast is, you know, and, and I want to be careful here because I'm not really trying to st- make a statement about masks, but here, here's one is love people by wearing a mask, right? And, and then so you're, you're wearing a mask, and so now you're loving people. Now, is that an external or internal sign that you're loving? And I'm not saying that's not a loving thing to do. Actually, I think it is a considerate right thing to do in our times because of how things are. But is there something more to loving people than wearing a mask, would you say? Can we classify saying someone is loving me by wearing a mask or someone that's not? You know, there's people that aren't going to wear a mask and they might be really pretty kind, but they aren't wearing a mask. So, so you see how we get pigeonholed into these external measurements of religion. This is what Paul is actually talking about. Circumcision is an external thing that really God was trying to teach the people is a heart thing. And Jesus, or God in the Old Testament, said over and over again, look, you've circumcised your flesh. I want you to open up your hearts and have your hearts purified. So the boast of religion almost always, I can't even think of a time when the the religious rules don't end up focusing on the external and sort of distracting us from our own wicked hearts. Like, I promise you, if I wear a mask, I'm still not the most loving person that I should be. And if I don't, I'm not the worst. These external signs are easy for our brains to attach to, and we get stuck. Here's a story for you. I grew up, well, I was born in 1975. I don't know if this has anything to do with time, but it seemed at the time that my teenage years, and I don't know maybe if the teenagers were in here, they could tell me, that uh, uh, sexual purity was, was a big deal in the church. Um, maybe it was just because I was a teenager and they were pushing it. And I have to be careful again here. Because in no way am I saying that sexual purity is not a big deal. But what happened in my life is I was so scared of crossing those lines because I thought, man, I don't want to be on the outs. My motive for that was what? Fear. Is fear and good internal motive if you're hanging out with Jesus? It's not. Now, I'm not at all saying that I should have thrown fear, and I recognize some of these, some of these external things are guidelines for us that keep us in a place where we're making safe decisions, smart decisions. There's all kinds of reasons for sexual purity. And here's what really the bottom line is. Sexual purity is about honoring yourself, honoring other people, loving well and working towards commitment instead of self-service. That's good motives. Being afraid of crossing a line because I'd be rejected by God didn't do me any good. And in fact, when I was dating my wife, this might be too information, we were dancing on the line like... It, because I, like, I was too afraid about the line, but I was sinning. But I was justifying it with the line. I wasn't allowing the internal work. It was a boast of religion. Well, we haven't crossed that line. We haven't crossed this line. And what I, I'm, I'm suggesting is the boast of religion is based on me. Well, I didn't do this, and I did do this, and I didn't do that. There's a great story in Luke chapter 4, or no, I'm sorry, it's chapter 18, where a Pharisee, goes into the temple to pray. You guys know this one? And, he, and he's next to a tax collector. You know how, how the Jewish people felt about tax collectors? The tax collectors were kind of a mediator between Rome and the Jews, and they hated them. I mean, they hated them. 
And so he's standing next to a tax collector and he goes up and he, he says, oh Lord, thank you that I'm not like this guy to my right. Lord, I thank you that I'm so, I, I've been righteous and he's, he's a robber and I'm not a robber. And I've given my tithes to you, Lord. I just want to thank you so much that I'm not like this, this slouchy guy over here. The slouchy guy over here gets in the temple and he says, oh Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the difference that we're talking about. Internal, external, external. Um, and I don't want to diminish the, guard, the guardrails. I don't want to say that rules don't matter, but I do want to say when we're operating rule-based, we're boasting in religion. We're not celebrating the work of God in our lives. We're celebrating our own self-discipline, which, if you know yourself very well, will fail. And then your peace is linked to who? You. That's not so fun. I don't want that equation my peace needs to be linked to jesus and so this internal external thing should help you one final story about i really care about internal external i'm i'm so feeling pulled into recognize what's going on here and repent before the lord before i try to lead or control others especially the control thing i i have a friend who needed some concrete work done and uh so he invited a couple of uh, my other friends to go help and they both go to they were at the time both going to uh, different churches, but they're doing this. Hard, it's you know it's hard work. So at the end, one of my friends, they're done. He crawls under a shade tree and he drinks some water, eats his little lunch sandwich, and he so, lights up a cigarette. Um, and and this other guy had helped, and he was tired. He's sitting under the shade tree, and he he says to this other guy, "Yeah, what do you think God thinks about you smoking cigarettes?" And uh, my friend says, well, I'm, I imagine he's somewhat concerned for my health, but what do you think God thinks about your lust problem? External, internal. Like, I'm not saying smoking's good for your lungs. I'm saying the focus is the boast of religion. Well, gosh, I don't smoke, so I, I better confront this guy. I mean, it's, you might want to, con- I'm not saying even confronting him is wrong, but it gives you a great picture of where our focus is. The boast of religion is about us and external things, and we're much more comfortable there than when God turns the light on us and says, what about what's really going on in your heart? Um, okay, enough, enough there. Let's move on to uh, this idea. So point number one, then, is we can celebrate the work of Jesus, and when we do that regularly, it safeguards us from becoming externally motivated and hypocritical and religious-minded, and it keeps us relationally connected because we're celebrating his work in us, not our ability to follow rules, and peace comes from that. Then we're going on to uh, verse 7, and we're now talking about we want to celebrate in the Lord because it connects us to the love and acceptance and forgiveness of Jesus. So let's read um, 7, and we're going to read 9 two times. We're going to read 7 through 11. And we're going to come back to look at nine. So here we go. Whatever were gains. So he's just, I don't know if you got this. You know, he bragged a lot about being a Jew of Jews or a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was not saying that he's better. He was saying, look, if, I ha- if, if any of us have reason to depend on these things, like I was kind of the cream of the crop. I was a Pharisee and I was like, I had all the resources to, to like, and it was a mess. He said it was a mess, though I could boast about it if, if I was fleshly focused. Now he's going to say, but whatever, whatever were gains to me, all that advantage that, that I had 
to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Jesus. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He's in prison, remember. I, um, I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ, and here we go, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Let's go back to nine. This is what's motivating him to consider all the things of his life in relation to his, what he's gained from Christ as garbage. It's changed his whole perspective. I am found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or my efforts towards the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. This brings peace. This is the foundation that we can work off of that I am loved, accepted, and forgiven, not because of my merit, but because of Jesus' work on the cross. That he laid his life down for me, that he paid for my sin and put me in favor with himself. That's good. I need some smiles. (laughs) Um, So, here's some practical things around that. Um, I worked with a person number a couple years ago, just about a big transition in their life. Uh, they were feeling like they would like to make a huge shift in vocation, and they were also very aware of the identity that was connected to the position they had. We relate, right? I have a good position, but I'm thinking about changing, but I have so much, people affirm me, there's recognition, and, um, but I'm feeling like I would like to make a change. But there's a tug of war. We, most of us relate to this, right? And so we were talking about that, and, and the identity piece that was coming from that organization that they worked for was high. There was a big transformation that happened in this person's life, and then, um, and then they were still kind of hanging on to that, saying, that is who I am. They, these people have told me who I am, and this is who I am. And as, as we spent time together, we were beginning to recognize that there was this deeper identity that came from Jesus that said, you're loved, you're accepted, and you're forgiven. And, and not that you couldn't stay here, but that that value that you're pulling from this place is not really real. This love that God has for you is real. And this person then began to walk out based on and make decisions based on and celebrate the love of God in their life and walk away from something that had turned into a bind rather than a gift. And they changed their lifestyle and they changed their vocation. But it was built on the fact that Jesus loved them and that set them free from needing the acceptance from others. Yeah. It's really fun to be a part of those stories. But that's what I'm talking about is If I celebrate the fact that I'm loved, accepted, and forgiven, I have that in the forefront of my mind, and I begin not only to celebrate, but to act on that truth more and more. Um, I have, and I tell you guys this all the time, I, I have a people-pleasing problem, 
And so for me to make decisions where I know I'm going to be disappointing someone, I have to go sit down and find out from Jesus that I'm loved, accepted, and forgiven so that I can make a decision based on the truth, based on honesty, based on what God is saying to me, regardless of the fear. This is what I'm saying is if we don't celebrate the work of God in our lives, we don't think about these things. They move us away. And so, number one, it safeguards us from boasting in ourselves. Number two, it gives us a platform. Celebrating the work of Jesus in my life gives me a platform to be who God has asked me to be. If I don't celebrate it, I don't think about it. So that's why we ask that question. How can I celebrate with you? Because we want to turn into people that rejoice in the work of Jesus. All right, last, last point. Um, celebrating in the Lord helps us transform and grow. Um, so some of you go to the same gym as I do, and there's this little app that if you get a personal best um, and you enter in, like, let's say you, you, know, you squatted a weight that you hadn't squat and it's a new weight, you enter that in, this, this app starts flashing this thing at you that says, I am awesome. <laughs> and you can't move past it without clicking, yes, I am awesome. It like gets stuck there. And so like if, you don't, if you're feeling like, well, no, nah, I'm not that awesome. Too bad your phone was not going to go anywhere until you say you're awesome. Now, that little thing is, you know, on a scale of importance, not very important, but, but it works. It's kind of like it's kind of fun, right? Some of you have hit that button. It's, it feels good to say I'm awesome. How many, how many apps do you have on your phone that make you say you're awesome? How many bosses make you say you're awesome? Here's what celebrating the work of Jesus in our life does is it helps us move in to the blessing and the goodness and the good intent that God has for us. I was having lunch with a friend uh, last week, and, and, you know, I actually, I hang out with some people that, that have some connections but, with the church, but have some fairly big questions about the church. And so... Um, they were talking to me about some sadness that they had from knowing some Christian people that had been stuck and not grown and not changed for years. Now, probably not that great that they're looking at that themselves, but the sadness of the difficulty of Christian people who have the most powerful content in the world and it's not transforming them. And this person understands the, the message, but they get beat up and kind of get put on their heels by like, well... What's going on? And I would like to say that I've been one of those guys stuck for years in proclaiming Jesus as Lord. But here's where the difference began to happen for me is when I had regular people in my life saying, how can I celebrate with you in terms of my following Jesus? I began to be motivated to hit the I am awesome button. I didn't want to sit down with them and say, well, gosh, I haven't done a thing for the last 10 years. Nice meeting with you. That's how I'd like to celebrate. No, it was like, Aaron, let's talk about this. Yeah, I got some fear in my life. Oh, well, what do you think you could do about that? How could you follow Jesus through that? Well, I could say no to this person. All right, well, let's see how that goes. And, you know, two weeks later, I sit down with that person. Hey, they say, how can I celebrate you, with you? And I say, you know, I prayed about that fear. And I said, no. And they said, hey, you're awesome. And I said, hey, Jesus is growing me. And it was an, indi- it was an invitation and inspiration to keep getting drawn in to taking action that I really believe in. Like I believe in following Jesus. But without 
some community support and without some structure of, well, we just rejoice in the Lord. You know, life is going down the tubes, but hey, praise the Lord. That's not rejoicing in the, it's much deeper than that. It's being in prison, writing letters to encourage other people. What? That's celebrating and rejoicing in the Lord. It's when I'm sad, I say, how can I celebrate? And my mom tells me her celebration and it changes me and it changes her. It's that we want to be a group of people that when we say, how can I celebrate, we're ready. I just sat with our Tuesday night group. It is so refreshing to hear people celebrate. It changes my whole outlook for days. It makes me feel not alone. It makes me know that God is working. This is who we are supposed to be. And the outcomes are growth. The outcomes are having a solid foundation. The outcomes, I've got to look at my notes. What's the first one? Oh, we're, we're focused on our internal stuff. We're not getting drawn into this self-righteousness. And the outcome is peace. Because we're celebrating Jesus instead of ourselves. That's the big one. That is the big one. Um, so some of the, the practices that I do is... Uh, my sister, we meet weekly, and that's how we start. How can I celebrate with you? I, I will be honest with you. My wife asked me that question, and um, sometimes she, I think she asks it a little late in the day, you know, like, like I, I just don't have, I just am tired, and she says, how can I celebrate with you? And I'm like, uh, oh, man, I don't know if I can find that part of my brain, but I do, and it's better, and it bonds us. Uh, Let's read these, these verses um, where we can see that this is about helping us attain what Jesus has given us. So Paul says, not that I've already attained all this the resurrection from the dead or, or complete victorious living in this, but um, I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. That is a powerful statement. We have been given so much, and the bookends on all this instruction are rejoice. Let me say it again, rejoice. Let's rejoice and we'll have peace. Those are the bookends of all of what we've just covered, and we recognize that if we begin to do this consistently, we're going to find peace in our lives. Um, let's read this, these last verses again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And here's the promise again. Lord, make this true for us. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding. I, I, you might need a pause there. Do you know what that means? That means the peace of God is in prison. The peace of God is while you're wearing a mask or not wearing a mask. The peace of God is when you go to school. The peace of God is when you're in an argument with your spouse. The peace of God transcends your understanding because our understanding usually links peace to circumstances. The peace of God transcends those circumstances and we find it everywhere um, and it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus um, I want you to 
think about this. There's a ton of promises in the Bible. This one in my life has been one of the most clear and the one that I've experienced. And it's true. When I celebrate not myself, but the work of Jesus in me and around me, I find joy. And I find myself feeling peaceful. Even when there's bad things going around me. Even on days when I, ha- I could choose fear, I can say I can see what God is doing in the midst of this because of choosing to celebrate regularly. And I'm not taking any credit for that. It's been built into my life now. I don't even have to think about it. I, one of you will ask me, how can I celebrate with you? I don't, it's, not, it's in motion. It's happening around us. Join into that and get intentional about celebrating the things that are deep. One of the things, we took a, a survey in our church, and we really scored well, like a healthy church, but one of the weakest scoring points is that we, it said we don't talk to each other about our spiritual lives. Why do we come here? Celebrating changes that. Why don't we say the name of Jesus to each other and what he's doing in our lives? I'm not sure why. We're a little bit of afraid, but saying how can I celebrate with you breaks that barrier, and then all of a sudden we're participating in what God is doing in us and seeing it and helping other people see it. Amen? So let's pray. Lord, thank you for the, the truth that there are tons of things for us to celebrate. And you've done so much for us. It's, it's interesting to me that, that we're directed to celebrate and to rejoice. And that's a pretty good result in and of itself. But you say that if you will do that, and if we'll put our, our fears and our concerns in your hands, we're going to find peace. So we don't only get to celebrate the joy of you forgiving and loving us, but when we do that, you add peace to our lives and the quality of our life goes up. We begin to live in a place where that living water is changing us and changing people around us. Help us be a people that celebrate well and not just celebrate life, though that's a good thing to do too, but celebrate your presence in our lives and your investment in our lives. In your name, amen.